Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Catholics with Bibles, the podcast dedicated to empowering Catholics to read, interpret, and pray with sacred scripture with the eyes of faith and reason. I am your host, Chase Krauss. Let's dive in. Howdy, howdy, everybody. Crazy thing. This is officially episode eight, which means we're two months into this podcast. Uh, kind of crazy. It's a, I feel like it's gone by oddly. It's like the, one of those moments where like, wow, this has gone by so fast. And then at another moment, it's like, man, this has gone by so slow. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how you're feeling. I'm, this is, you know, day 45 or something like that of shelter in place. Uh, we're recording here in Texas. And so for Texas, um, it's almost the shelter in place order is expiring at the end of April. I'm not sure when your shelter in place is going to expire. Maybe it's also at the end of April. Maybe it's later. I don't know where you're at, but I hope that wherever you're at, that you're hanging in there, that you're doing good, that you're staying rooted and grounded in the Lord. And hopefully that's why you're listening to this podcast is because you're trying to grow intellectually uh, during this time by studying the sacred word with us. And uh, yeah, so last week we started this mini series on the patriarchs. So the first patriarch, uh, really, I think the most prominent patriarch, uh, the most fundamental foundational one, Abraham, last week. If you haven't listened to that podcast, uh, go ahead and listen to it when you get a chance. Um, we're going to build off a little bit here with the second patriarch, who's Isaac. And so Isaac is a bit of a weird figure when it comes to the patriarchs. You have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, later named Israel. And Isaac, uh, God doesn't really make a direct covenant with Isaac. Uh, he makes one with Abram uh, and Abraham, obviously. Uh, and then with uh, Jacob, um, we'll read and talk about next week how he wrestles with the angel and God promises him various things through a covenant. Uh, but Isaac doesn't get a covenant necessarily. He is the fulfillment uh, of the covenant, the promise that God made with Abram and later Abraham. Because, you know, the, one of the key things that God promised Abraham was he'd have descendants and he'd have a son. And, you know, the the descendants that he's talking about is going to be the, the son of the promise. We know that he is the son of the promise, the promise he made to uh, Sarah and Abraham. And so really quick, I just want to kind of recount the story of the birth and the conception of Isaac. And then I actually talk a little bit about Isaac and how he uh, goes about finding his wife, Rebecca. And that's going to kind of lay a foundation for us to jump into Jacob next week. Uh, Isaac's story, it's slightly less theological, but I think we can still learn a lot from it. He's still one of the three patriarchs that we hear all the time, you know, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And so he's a really important figure still. He's kind of the linchpin between Abraham and later Israel, who had the 12 sons that obviously formed the 12 tribes of Israel. So a lot of us may be familiar with the story of how uh, Isaac got his name. <laughs> if you're not, it's kind of funny. Uh, it's in Genesis 18. And it's the story of when um, the three men uh, appeared to Abraham. And it's the three men in tradition, actually, that this is actually a foreshadowing of the Trinity. And verse 9 three men talking to Abraham. We read in verse nine, chapter 18. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. 
the Lord said, this is when, this is why we know this is kind of a foreshadowing of the Trinity. I will surely return to you in the spring and Sarah, your wife shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of a woman. So uh, she stopped ovulating. She stopped having her period. So Sarah laughed to her self saying, after I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a son, a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you in the spring and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied saying, I did not laugh for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. Then the men set out from there and they looked towards Sodom and Abraham went with them to set them on their way. So the three men, three angels of the Lord, or also we can interpret this as a foreshadowing of the, of the Trinity. There's a few different options you can talk about there. They're, they're talking about, you know, that God is going to upend his promise, right? So remember that 18, that is in the midst of the various threefold covenant that we talked about last week. And we know, we talked about last week, the story of Hagar and all that stuff and circumcision. And Isaac's name means uh, laughter. Well, we skip ahead a few chapters to verse or to chapter 21. We read in verse one, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded. Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac, his son, was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. She said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would suckle children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. So this, this child, right? Through Isaac, shall your descendants be named? This child of laughter. It's kind of an, I think a lot of times we have to remember that names have definitive meaning, definitive meaning in the Old Testament and the New I think it's actually a beautiful tradition. It's something me and my wife actually try to to do as well. Um, we have uh, one baby girl, and her name is Carlina Christine, which means a song to Christ the King. Carlina is a version of Carol, like a Christmas Carol. It's also named. She's also named after Carol Voitiwa. Um, so her and Christine being Christ the King. So her song uh, her name means a song to Christ the King, and I think that's a really beautiful tradition that I think we should bring back as Catholics and as Christians. Not just being like, hey, I think this name sounds cool. I'm going to name my kid this because it sounds real cool. You get names like Audio Silence that way. There's actually celebrity named your kid Audio Silence. Please never name your child Audio Silence. It is not insightful or deep. It's just kind of silly. <laughs> but uh, names have meanings, right? Names have meanings. And it's a beautiful tradition. It's a beautiful thing because it's why, it's why for the longest time we uh, Catholics would name their children after saints. So that way they have a, an ideal to strive for. You know, you're named after this saint because he did these things and he strove for God and therefore you should strive for God and try to imitate his virtues. 
Um, anyway, but Isaac, yeah, the child of laughter because Sarah, Sarah laughed when he, she heard that she'd get pregnant. I mean, you got to imagine it, maybe if you're an older woman listening to this or you have a, a grandmother, um, it's, it's hard to imagine somebody who's in their, you know, eighties, nineties, closer to hundreds, you know, getting pregnant and, and having a, a baby. I mean, that's, that's wild, right? That's wild. Um, and it, that's why she laughed. It's almost understandable that she laughed, right? Cause she was older. And last week we talked a bit about, um, the sacrifice of Abraham and Isaac. And that's a really key part. And I think like where, so far as like where the covenant comes into play here, uh, I think that's really why there's not as much written about Isaac as there's about Abraham and Jacob, because we have to remember that when Abraham brought Isaac up the mountain, Isaac wasn't just a small boy. He wasn't just an ignorant child being like, oh, I'm going to do whatever my dad says. It's like, no, Isaac was a young adult, if not a full-fledged, like 20-something-year-old, right? Because he, we knew that, right? Because he carried the wood up the mountain. He was strong enough to carry the wood. You know, he allowed Abraham to tie him. He also trusted in God and trusted in his earthly father. And his trust in his earthly father empowered him to trust in his heavenly father. It was a self-sacrifice of Isaac, right? And the sacrifice of Abraham. That was where the merit came from. Isaac gave of his own life, or was willing to at least, in order to bring about the promise of God to make sure that, you know, his, his father could fulfill his vow to God to be faithful to the end. And then we know that obviously Isaac was not sacrificed, that God provided a ram, just as Abraham said. After that, the next chapter, chapter 23, we hear about uh, Sarah passing away, right? She was older, so she passed away. And then chapter 24, we get to Abraham acknowledging that it is time to find his son a wife. So, Back in the back in the day, obviously, it was arranged marriages a lot of the time, and it was the duty of the fathers of both the husband and the wife to find a spouse for their children. It was, it was a fatherly duty to find your son or daughter uh, a good spouse, which I think is really beautiful. I think that's something I hope to not. I'm set up. Yeah, not saying I'm going to set up an arranged marriage for my kids, but I, but I hope that I'm a good enough father to that to my children so that way I can empower them to find good spouses that they may have really high, like stupidly high standards for whoever they end up marrying. And I hope that I can be honest enough that where if I meet, you know, a boyfriend or girlfriend of my future children and if don't think they're up to snuff, hopefully I can be uh, courageous, courageous enough, humble enough, honest enough with them to, to find a way to lovingly say, hey, I know you really like this dude, but he's scrub, um, <laughs> you know, and, and find find a way to to kind of tell them that. And and obviously the choice will be up to, to them to a certain degree, but at the same time doesn't mean I can't have influence. I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make in our society that fathers make, that parents make, is like, oh, well, the kids have to make their own choices. And it's like, yeah, if they're, if they're an adult, they have to make their own choices. That's right, it's true. But it doesn't mean you have influence, right? That doesn't mean you, don't, you can't inspire or advise your your children. And if they don't listen to you, they don't listen to you. But I think it's it's a, it's a tragedy when parents don't like approve of you know a boyfriend or girlfriend, and they just kind of sit back and 
you know, allowed a, allow a bad relationship to, to take place and end up just having this weird passive aggressive, like tolerant relationship. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a shame. But anyway, we get to this point in chapter 24 where Abram, Abraham is trying to find Isaac a wife. And we're going to read all of chapter 24. We're going to read parts of it. But one of the things that I think is, is kind of beautiful to reflect upon is this reality that Abraham only thought about finding Isaac a wife once Isaac gave of himself on Mount Moriah. You think about that just chronologically. You know, chapter 20, 22, that's, that's when they go up the mountain. Chapter 23, Sarah dies. And that's you know, accounts the story of Abraham trying to find a, a burial place for Sarah. But it was immediately after that where Abraham acknowledging that his son is now a man. And what was the mark of his manhood? It was the, the fact that he could carry and was willing to carry his own wood of sacrifice up a mountain. And he was willing to give of himself totally and fully for the glory of God in obedience to Abraham, his father. That's that mark of manhood. I think it applies to women as well. I think just kind of looking at this more practically, it's, I think that's a good kind of bar to set for yourself if you're dating or thinking about dating and you're thinking about the next step. So, well, have you, have you practiced giving up yourself? Gadiment's best we read. JP quotes it all the time. Was, Man finds himself through a sincere gift of self. But you can't give what you don't have. So it's only after Isaac made a sincere total gift of self that Abraham acknowledges that now it's time to find him a spouse because he has practiced to a very intense degree this gift of self. So therefore, he's ready to give himself to his, a spouse for the rest of his life. He's willing to lay down his life for the rest of his life for a spouse. And I think it's a challenge to us, if you're listening to this, if you're a husband or a wife, if you're engaged, because the, the idea of, of marriage you enter into it not being like totally perfect that's but that's why we entered marriage to be perfected to be purified to give of ourselves totally and fully every single day primarily to our spouse and then secondarily to our children your spouse deserves all of you deserves a hundred percent they don't just deserve the leftovers and so it's after isaac totally gave himself Abraham knew it was time to find him a, a wife. And so we get into uh, chapter 24, and we have this kind of a weird scene where Abraham is as well advanced in years. The Lord had blessed Abraham in all things, and Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his house, who had charge over all he had, so basically is his head servant, right? He oversaw everything. Abraham said to his servant, put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son, Isaac. So um, it's, it's, it's a bit weird. Um, <laughs> could you imagine like going into your boss's, uh, your boss's like apartment or home or whatever? And he says, hey, put your hand under my thigh and make an oath to me. Like <laughs> uh, uh, swear, swear to me. But we just got to we got to read that in, in context at the time. It's basically saying, you know, you you swear not only on your own life but on my life. Put your hand under under my thigh, 
It's a, it's, it's a posture of obedience, of humility. Um, and so Abraham, Abraham swears, uh, or the servant of Abraham uh, swears that he'll, he'll find a wife. And so his servant goes off after promising Abraham eventually, but Abraham makes a stipulation saying, you know, Hey, if you can't, if she doesn't want to travel with you back to the land, uh, that the Lord promised, then yeah, you can come back. But Abraham wants obviously him to find a wife and bring her back to the land of the promise. Remember Abraham, he was from Ur the Chaldeans. So he's from out uh, east of the Holy land. And, but he wanted, he, Lord promised him the Holy land. He promised him to dwell there. So Abraham knew that him and his descendants needed to dwell in that land. So we read how the servant took 10 camels and gold and choice gifts. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels lay down, kneel down outside of the city by the well of the water at the time of the evening. This is verse 11. The time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, grant me success today, I pray thee, and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the maiden to whom I shall say, Pray, let down your jar that I may drink. And who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. By this I shall know that thou hast shown steadfast love to my master. So the servant, before he does anything, he prays, right? He turns to God and says, God, I know I'm going to find a wife for Isaac, a good wife, because that wife is going to show me that she as well has practiced being a sincere gift of self to others, just like Isaac has shown. So a woman, the only woman capable of loving Isaac properly in the eyes of the servant is a woman who can give of herself in this little way. It's literally just like drawing water for somebody. You know, we got to remember though that this isn't usually not a, a, a casual task. Say so it'll walk a long time, you get to the well. They had to, you know, it was hard. You had to send your bucket down. You had to pull the water up. It was heavy. And so ask a complete stranger asking you to do this wasn't exactly just like, you know, hey, get water out of the sink and bring it to me. So no, this was a chore. This was a, this was a task. Um, and so he knew that if he can find a woman who's willing to do that for a stranger, how much more would she be willing to serve her own spouse? And so we read in verse 15, before he had done, he was done, had done speaking, before he had done speaking, it's kind of a weird way to say that. It's my translation. Before he had done speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, so it's a it's a distant relative, came out with her water jar upon her shoulder. The maiden was very fair to look upon, a virgin whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Pray, give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw for your camels also until they have done drinking. So not only was she willing to give up some of her water, she was willing to go back and get enough water for camels to drink. I don't know if you know much about camels, but they drink a lot. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're desert animals that 
They have to drink a lot and they have to store a lot of water so that they can go long periods of time without drinking. So not only did this woman be, was a gift to this man in this small way by giving him a drink, she was willing to pump enough water for camels. And the servant was amazed. And basically the man, he said, the man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. When the camels had done drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half a shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing 10 gold shekels and said, tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room for your daughter's house for us to lodge in? And it goes on to say, yes, there's room. And then she runs back, uh, tells her brother, uh, presumably her older brother, um, or at least the firstborn son, uh, about what had happened. And the servant goes and feasts and has had, and eats with them. But uh, we read later on, verse 33. Sorry, I had to find it. Then food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I've told my errand. He said, speak on. So this servant's also a pretty solid servant. One, he travels a long way for his master. But two, he he acknowledges it. I mean, can you imagine how hungry he must have been? He, he probably was you know, eating preserved foods on the way, not great food, not like warm food. And so he was probably really hungry for a great meal, but he, he stops before he eats. Like the food is literally right in front of him. He says, no, I cannot rest until I tell you why I'm here because I'm here to serve my master. And so he goes on to recount his story. He's looking for a, a wife for his master's son, Isaac. And it's when he saw Rebecca's willingness to serve, to give of herself that he knew that she was the one who should be Isaac's wife because she was as well, just like Isaac, willing to be a gift of self for the sake of others. And so he recounts the story, and then we read that Liban and Bethuel, the relatives, answered, The thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. So they go back, and Isaac is meditating. We read in verse uh, 62 of chapter 24. Now Isaac had come from Ber Laharoi and was dwelling in the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, there were his camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she alighted from the camel and said to the servant, who is the man yonder walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, it is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent and took Rebekah. She became his wife and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So Isaac proved himself to be a man through a sincere and total gift of self. The servant of Abraham found Rebekah through her total gift of self in a smaller way of service, but if she was willing to do these things for a stranger, how much more for a husband? Which means she had been practicing serving others her entire life. So the servant knew that she was a woman who was willing to serve and be a gift of self. And then on the way back, when Isaac was praying, meditating, is when he encounters his wife. I think this is, this is beautiful. And chapter 25, we have a genealogy. And then later on, it gets uh, into uh, the story of Isaac and Rebecca's uh, twin sons. And that's what we're going to cover next week um, with Jacob and his story. It's a bit of a more complex story, very beautiful. And it's, it's a really important story to understand this third and final patriarch. But Isaac, really, his story is about being a gift of self. And I think we can learn from this story 
especially if you're discerning right now a relationship or a vocation, even a, a vocation of the priesthood or religious life. I mean, that's a that's you saying yes. I'm willing to give of myself for the church for the rest of my life. And I think we should ask for Mary's intercession that she may pray for us, that we maybe learn how to be a total gift of self as her and Joseph did. And we may learn from Isaac's example and Rebecca's example to find ourselves through a sincere gift of self. So like I said, next week, we'll be diving into the next and final of the three main patriarchs, Jacob, later named Israel. We'll get into why he's named Israel, how he's named Israel, and kind of his story next week. Thanks for joining us, y'all. See you next week. Once again, thank you for joining us with Catholics with Bibles. It's Chase Krause. I would encourage you, if you enjoy these podcasts, if you get a lot out of them, or if you get a little bit out of them, or if you just like listening to my voice, whatever the case may be, please uh, subscribe, uh, whatever channel you're listening through, whether it's Spotify, podcast, the website, whatever it might be, please subscribe so you get notified when we release new content. Also do us a favor and share this content on your Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is that you're using, uh, shoot somebody an email, shoot them a text. Uh, it just it helps us out. Also give us a rating. That'd be great too on iTunes. It just helps it, our podcast to be more prominent so people can find it. So hopefully they can continue to grow in their journey with scripture and join the Catholics with Bibles community. All right, y'all. That's all I got. Hope you're having a very blessed week. See you next time.